0: Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large, I'm Leonard Lopate. Now that new COVID-19 infections appear to be on the decline in our area, the talk has turned to how we should reopen the economy while keeping workplaces safe. So we've invited industrial hygienist Monona Russell back to our show to answer some questions on how we can safely return to work. She's the president and founder of Arts, Crafts and Theater Safety the uh, health and safety officer for Local 829 of IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. It's published by Wiley. Last year, she was given the Karen Silkwood Award by the New York Committee for Occupational Safety and Health for her activism on behalf of, of workers' health. I'm very pleased to welcome her back to our show now, and we invite you to call in if you have any questions concerning returning to work. Our call-in number is 212-209-2877. Hi, Monona.
1: Hi, how are you doing?
0: Okay. We're getting a little stir-crazy, but otherwise okay.
1: Yeah, we have to ask today because we're all under house arrest.
0: (laughs) You've uh, been working in this field for a long time, 40 years or more. Have you ever come across a situation that was anything like the one we're in now?
1: Well, there were other excuse me there were other pandemics, but we got on top of them very quickly, like the Ebola. but this one got loose because of all of the mismanagement and now we're really in deep doodle with this and it's going to take quite a while before we're, we're totally out of it.
0: As the health and safety officer for IATSE, you deal mostly with people who work in theaters and on film sets. Is it likely that they'll be able to return to work anytime soon?
1: Well, that's, of course, what we're all working on. Uh, uh, Just a kind of disclaimer up at the beginning here. Um, I'm the safety officer for USA 829 IATSE and also the consultant for SAG-AFTRA. But I'm not speaking on their behalf.
0: Of course, I'm,
1: I'm, this this program is all just my own opinions and, and so on. But this is what we're all doing in the unions now: is trying to figure out how we can get certain jobs back and, and do them with continuing social, uh, you know, distancing, social distancing, uh, wearing masks, doing all the other things that we need to do to protect ourselves. It, it, it's 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 very daunting because, especially in the film industry. I mean, you've got everything from people trying to kiss each other to, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, stunts going off of bridges and so on. It's just very difficult to figure out what what can be done and what can't.
0: You also work with schools on on health and safety issues, and people are concerned about whether schools and colleges will be able to reopen in the fall. Um, Now, of course, I have a course at
1: UMass Amherst um, uh, in August, and whether or not the school is ready for me or not, that course is going to happen because I now know how to work Zoom.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: the course will yeah. will occur in uh, in August uh, the twenty twenty fourth to the 28th. And um, people who are interested in this kind of thing, I do 40 hours and uh, give a certificate for people who are in the health field or in art or theater and interested in the safety area. So, yeah, schools I'm not as worried about because although it is not ideal, and it really is not ideal to do it virtually, or God help us with those canned PowerPoints, um, it it is possible. In other words, education can continue pretty much. There's a few things like chemistry lab courses, and uh, even art can, can continue to some extent, provided people's homes are equipped with the right ventilation and so on to use some of the art materials that are more toxic. So, uh, but it is possible.
0: Yeah, health experts, go ahead.
1: Yeah, in the film industry, that's a big difference because now you've got crowd scenes, you've got Mm. close intimate contact, you've got camera people who are, you know, doing close-ups. There's an awful lot of issues And all of the construction things, you know, you've got everything from building sets to setting up lighting. You know, it's just very difficult to figure out what can be done and what can't be done.
0: I know. In fact, uh, there are already some reruns going on some of the series uh, in slots that would have been new shows. Health experts are saying that no one should be going to work unless there is testing widely available to identify people who are infected. How likely is that to happen, given the scarcity of test kits and supplies? Well, it is ramping up.
1: And it has to, because it is the only way. You cannot be using temperature, testing people's temperature, because about that. people don't get a temperature until two, three, four days after they've been exposed, and they may be transmitting the virus all that time. So it really has to be the test. The the, the swab test that was used in Europe and all over before this even was a big deal here um, does detect as soon as the virus is detectable in the um, upper respiratory system, and, and that's where it get, gets uh, established first. So it, it's a very good test for for prevention. And that's the test that we really need in quantities such that we can then ensure that people are not transmitting the virus. That's the only way you're going to be able to do certain things in, 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 in the workforce um, is to guarantee that these people are not infectious.
0: Well, tests for so, antibodies of the virus are being... Uh, Developed will that be a better way to identify who can safely return no, to work?
1: not at all. Because uh, there are some Chinese papers also showing that people who are um, who do have the antibodies in their blood are still also shedding uh, virus. Ooh. So we aren't really sure about that, and and they can also reinfect. So this is not the test again that is is what's needed. The the good thing about that test, however is you now have someone who probably, and we don't know just what the length of time is, but is probably um, safe from reinfection for a certain period of time. And uh, there, there's actually some countries that are issuing um, certificates to people who have passed their their immune test yeah. so that they can then be in workforces, the sensitive workforces where Immunity to the virus
2: is, is crucial,
0: but we don't know whether the immunity will be forever because it could be right. Like a cold where you recover and then can get it again sometime in the future
1: Well, actually you get a usually a different cold you do Yeah, you usually don't really get the same cold over and over and over um, um, you know unless there's a significant time interval between the two uh, because you'd have to lose your immunity to to that. You, because you're, when you ramp up your vi- your your antibodies for a particular virus, you know your body has to stop making those antibodies and then get so poor at it that you can then catch it again. So the, there's always a different interval between um, when you uh, finish with the disease and when you can get it again.
0: To Do- do we know if the virus has been mutating as it travels around the world? Do we know if the the virus uh, we're seeing here is exactly the same as the one that first surfaced in China or the one that uh, uh, was in California and actually led to the first deaths from uh, COVID-19 in this country?
1: It's continually, continually mutating. And that's both good and bad. Uh, it's bad because we may end up having a virus that is harder to fight or may, may, may have to make changes in various uh, medical procedures or one thing and another maybe make it more deadly, but also we can then track it. That's how we're eventually going to know where this came from or at least get a pretty good idea because uh, we've tracked it back pretty far. And it's also w- w- what, what, what it is really kind of nice to know that the the primary virus here in New York did not come from China, came from Europe. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we can we we literally now have maps of where these viral mutations occur and where where the um, um, where where the changes are are happening and and even the DNA changes. How they, and this is beyond my expertise, but they literally know what the the changes in mutation look like in terms of the rna of the virus wow.
0: what have we learned so far from healthcare and other essential workers who've been infected and recovered from the virus can and can those lessons be applied to other workplaces
1: well yeah the the, the primary thing that we sadly learned from the various uh, especially from the rehab centers and the um, old folks homes and so on those those places taught us how very very uh, contagious this is
3: yeah.
1: um, and there's also some very interesting work coming out of Japan on the aerosols created uh, by people who are carrying the virus virus it isn't just droplets you keep hearing about droplets uh, being the primary source but there is also a very tiny, what we call aerosolized virus particle that is also released when people even are speaking. And those are so small that they can hover in the air for quite a while. And if you don't have good ventilation in a room, and that was one of the problems in some of these, these homes, is that once this, these tiny particles are in the air, they're going to they're gonna hang out there for a while. And so, anybody coming into the room and and they spread you know when you have really tiny particles, they they move in the air, and they will eventually go a lot further than six feet. So without good ventilation, it's it's a serious issue in terms of airborne transmission.
0: Now, there are the general precautions that we hope everyone's been taking, social distancing wearing a mask, washing or sanitizing hands and services, avoiding touching your face or eyes. Are these the basis for a workplace safety plan as well? Because uh, they, they, these precautions are not specific to any one job. Uh, and there are different kinds of workplaces, offices, schools, stores, restaurants, construction sites, factories. Uh, they all have different setups and logistics.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's what's so fascinating. You know, I am primarily started out life as a chemist. So what I've done is on the American Chemical Society is I've followed all of the precautions that they're setting up in labs. And you see, originally they thought, well, we can take these general precautions like distancing and masks and this, that, and the other, and then we can just set up a series of rules. But then they found out, no, it doesn't work that way. Every single lab has to have its own unique take. On how they're going to do this, how far apart the fume hoods are, what they're going to be doing where, how they're going to get the chemicals from where they're stored to up to. The, I mean, you literally have to start with the workforce. Who are your workforce? I mean, if you got a bunch of old people like me, you got trouble. Um, you got a bunch of young people, maybe not so. Where do they live? Do they have to catch the subway to get to work? So you got to look at your workforce. Then you got to figure out, are they coming to a parking lot? Are they getting off on a subway station and walking? Where are they coming from? Then you've got to say, well, how do they get into the building? And is there an elevator that they've all got to share? You've got to track them, figure out where the problems are there. Now we've got them up to the, up to the floor, <laughs> and we've got the laboratory. How big is the laboratory? Is it even big enough to get your six feet? In all? I mean, six feet is a 12-foot square area. Yeah. You know, you've got to have six feet on both sides of a person. So you've got to have a lot of space in in there in order to get your six feet. Uh, how do you make sure that they stay there? In the Japanese laboratories, they have little marked-out boxes in front of the workstations where you're supposed to stand while you're doing that damn job. And um, this is your little two-foot area to move around in so that you don't impede on anybody else's 12-foot area. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. So you literally have to, as an employer or as a, a union a safety person, you've got to look at the workforce. You've got to track them from their homes. In, in you know, in your mind, and, and figure out what their risk factors are. You got to track them all the way up into the workplace, and then you got to figure out what are they got to do, what is the objective, and how can we manage to keep distancing and all of the other things done while they're doing this this task. So it's going to be very individual, and it's going to mean people sitting down with pencils and paper, and marking it out, and t- discussing it back and forth. Uh, an employer who is not very familiar with exactly what goes on on the work floor better bring in workers who do know, and better be talking to them because they're gonna, there's going to be tricks in there that 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 employer is not even going to be aware of in that job that are going to cause problems. So this is going to make us think. We're going to really have to think about this.
0: Industrial hygienist Manona Russell is our guest today on London located <laughs> Lodge on WBAI New York 99. Five FM, and we've been also inviting your calls to two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. Reggie Johnson, our audio engineer, have we gotten? Okay, well, uh, when you do uh, it, give it, and you think that the call will be helpful in this discussion, please alert me. Okay, okay. Now uh, let's let's move on to uh, uh, who will be creating the plans that you were talking about, Monona. Do most companies or organizations have a health and safety expert on staff? Uh, Should we assume that we're gonna have a lot of Jared Kushners with little or no experience taking on those roles?
1: That's exactly what the problem is. And it really, really points up what I've been saying for decades. I don't think most employers are aware that you are supposed to have OSHA programs. You are supposed to have written programs about any risks on the job, and you're supposed to have regular meetings to address those and discuss them. Even if you don't have the COVID (laughs) virus floating about, that structure should already be there. In the workplaces where that structure already exists, this is a pretty slam-dunk sort of thing. Because the committees are already set up, the toolbox trainings that go on uh, regularly every week can just be expanded, and it's it's not difficult. But for the majority of workplaces that have been ignoring these rules for decades, Mm -hmm. it is a real problem.
0: Now, we have a lot of calls coming in. Uh so uh we'll take them as quickly as we can and callers could you make it as brief as possible because there's just so much that we have to address today. Okay, BAI you're on the air. Yes.
4: Uh, yes, what bothers me about this whole uh, uh, coronavirus, uh, the way it's being addressed publicly, uh, neither Cuomo nor Fauci has addressed the matter of how to build the immune system and through dietary recommendations and through supplementation. I mean, there's 50 years of nutritional medicine that is being completely ignored, and I find it totally irresponsible that all this knowledge and advice is being totally ignored. We hear not one word about it.
0: Well actually uh, I've been uh, I've heard that you should take as much vitamin C as you can but maybe that's just very limited. Monona
1: Well it's a little late because the virus is here and uh, you know uh, we can and we can certainly argue a lot over exactly what is best for the immune system because there are a lot of theories there's a lot of good information out there. People should be eating a good diet. They should be doing all of those things. We know what those are. but um,
0: It's harder to now, have a good diet right now when you're limited as to being able to shop uh, at supermarkets. Now this, uh, is a,
1: this is a really good time to set it up because you've got to think about everything and you're stuck in your house anyway. So you might as well think about what is the right thing to eat and what is the best thing leftovers,
0: to do. mostly. Okay. Well, let's take another call. Hi. You're on the air. BAI.
2: Hi, I'm Steve in New York City. How are you doing today?
0: Okay. I hope you're keeping safe. What's your question? Keeping safe,
2: wearing the mask, et cetera, et cetera, to the nth degree. Um, my, Well, first of all, I have an observation. If, if WBAI gets in uh, a situation like last op- October, I would suggest that your guys from Off the Hook, which is a great show, create a pirate radio station we need a pirate radio station offshore in new york city area because i don't see any redundancy here there's only five stations that do what wbai does and that's um uh, listener supported no uh,
0: listen sponsor. we're really that's really a, a different issue can can you address what we're talking about today we can do that some other time
2: march yeah thank you so much for winona she's a great researcher yeah,
0: winona's um, fabulous
2: okay winona yeah um
0: Monona, M-O-N-O-N-A,
4: Monona. Monona,
2: I got it. It's the yep. telephone thing. Okay, on March 12th of this year, just um, you know, a month and a half ago, the what, what's called the Hellenic Society for Forensic Examiners took a vote that they're not going to autopsy any alleged. Uh, COVID-19 cases. I, I was wondering if uh, Monona has a uh, comment on that and where is the science in not uh, autopsying them? You can do the uh, Boolean search, March 12th, Hellenic Society, like Helen okay. of Troy. Okay, thank you so much. Go-
0: thank you for calling. Monona, do you know about this?
2: Yeah, and, and it's it's really
1: outrageous because we really need that data, and that, that was not applied in uh, California. So California... Uh, just released um, tissue autopsy data and has pushed back the first deaths from uh, COVID to February 6th.
0: Yeah, they found out that some people who they didn't realize had died from from COVID-19 had very early in February.
1: That's right. And you see, they kept tissue and that sort of thing. So they did the... They, they 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 did the studies and and now they and, and they and they are of course encouraging uh, forensic uh, testing um, um, of of people who died in that period if there's tissue samples or if there's anything to do, to work with because we really should know all of that data is priceless because it will tell us you know where. It, where where the thing started, what is happening, we'll be able to track it. Well, because the reason we need all that information is this isn't a one-off. It's going to happen again if we don't change the way we deal with animals and the the way we handle um, epidemics. We really need to do like we did with with SARS and with uh, Ebola, and that is get on top of it very very quickly. And in and, and when we when we aid other countries immediately, we benefit. When we went in and, and, and helped them with the Ebola, we saved ourselves as well. I mean, we, didn't we, do it we, this we just side. don't realize that throw money at, at, at a problem like this and, and expertise right away and help people. It's humane, but it also ends up saving your own butt in the long run.
0: Okay, let's squeeze another call in. BAI, you're on the air.
4: Uh, Manona, if you could were advisor to the commissioner of baseball and he wanted to know what's the best way he wants to open the season cuz I really miss baseball more <laughs> than theater and uh, like what what's the what would be the best way to get the season started as far as spacing out well even if you say okay
3: no audience
4: no audience no fans but uh, but as far as testing the players, and I mean baseball, they stay pretty well spaced out usually. But they're <laughs> sliding into home and stuff like that. So what's your uh, dugouts.
0: Whoa. Anyway, yeah, uh, they're yeah. talking about having uh, the teams all play in Florida and in Arizona, uh, I guess, without any fans in the stands. Uh, so it would just be a TV sport. But. Um, yeah. You're talk- Go ahead.
1: You're talking, to, you're talking to someone who has only seen one baseball game in their life. And it was <laughs> the Braves. And I saw it from the um, uh, press box as, until I couldn't stand it anymore, <laughs> which was the the seventh inning stretch, I believe they call it. Um, <laughs> you I, 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 I know nothing about sports, but I do. I mean, I have a slight. Awareness that there are bases and people run and slide in and they hit balls and they, you know. so again, I think the only thing I can say is you'd have to find some way, either of testing each one of the players. If you could do the the swab test of the players at least, and make sure that there's no one shedding virus to start with, and then play the game, then you wouldn't have to worry about distancing during that game. Now, a day or two later, you would still have to worry because you could be exposed somewhere in between and start some people on the road to developing the the, the, the illness. But this is one thing we're also thinking about for film. If you have the actors tested, it's it's, uh, similar to we've already seen this particular model in the porn industry. Because when when HIV became a a, a factor, the only way you could legitimately do a scene was to bring in your certificate saying that you were HIV negative. Um, So uh, in a sense, we'd be doing the same sort of thing um, for baseball or for film actors so that at least during the day that you're doing that, you know these people are not shedding virus.
0: We're going to get to some more calls in a little while, but I want to address some other issues here. A lot of people who work in offices have been working from home for the last month or so. Uh, if possible, should we continue to do that? And do you think that this experience will lead to permanent changes in the way many of us will work in the future?
1: Oh, God, I hope so. Because there's when I, I have a, an exhaust fan in one window and the other window open, and I always do. And the air that is coming in is so wonderful. And this is New York. Man, it usually just stinks, and yeah. it's full of, you know, exhaust and all that. It's so nice. Uh, we really should seriously consider working from home. Uh, and I have been doing a lot of work from home before this, so this was a, not a very difficult transition for me, except I mean, I love working with an audience, so I mean, that's that's, that's a real sad thing for me. But working at home, we really should be doing as much of
0: that as we can. Of course, a lot of jobs can't be done from home. Restaurants, shops, factories, construction sites all require people to be there in person. So how would you begin to create a plan to keep those people safe? Do Do you need to start with the workers' homes and then look at every phase of their day in order to set up precautions that will work?
1: Yeah, you'd, you'd almost have to do that. And, and eventually there's going to be so much testing available. We are going to be able to do periodic testing at least and have a pretty good idea uh, that people are. And, and there's going to be more and more people who can go out because they know that they're carrying the antibodies. Uh, so this is going to slide back into normality, but it, it's not, for, not, not really until there's a, a vaccine.
0: But there are people who are in higher risk categories of older people, people with pre-existing health conditions. Should they not be allowed to return to work? And what what do we do about the fact that Black and Latino communities have been hit disproportionately? They're, especially since well, many of them work in high-risk jobs. Yes.
1: That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, they, they, they do the high-risk jobs. They live in close proximity to each other, uh, and they have bad health care. We really are uh, that is really showing us what a lousy job we're doing of keeping everybody healthy, of really having a good health care system for everybody. That's why we we really we really need to make sure everybody is taken care of. because here again, you either take care of the poor or you die of their diseases. It's just always been a, a truism. So <clears throat> when, when we take care of the least of us, we're taking care of ourselves. And we need to really understand that concept and make sure that everyone has good access to health care good access to good housing and doesn't have huge stresses and problems in their life because they will they will show in a time like this
0: we have to go to a break in a few moments but i want to sneak one more call in. we have a number of callers uh some of them will just have to wait uh a little while but please be patient we want to get as many of you on as we can uh bai you're on the air
3: hi sweet me Anthony?
0: yes it's you okay
3: great that was a profound statement that woman just said about if you you know you can you talk
0: up a little bit you're very soft
3: yeah okay that was a profound statement that that lady just said about you know if you if you don't take care of the poor you die of their ailments that makes a lot of sense um, I'm looking at it I was in construction for forty years and if the the key to getting back into construction on one aspect is to make sure the organizations that are involved putting the mental work come with a trained process come with, with apprenticeship programs that know how to train their employees, so when they go out there again, um, that they can do their job, and the public is not put at risk. The point of people living in close proximity means so much. I can. I'm lucky that I'm in my own home, and you pick and choose who you rub up against. But there are people when they're going, coming home from work, and in elevators. This just and the elevators were. 50, 60 years ago and they're a lot smaller than they are today and it's just it just makes the world so much difficult. But for me, the most important thing, nothing can be done until November third occurs. Do so you
0: have a question? Do you have a question for Monona?
3: Okay. Uh, how would you how would you see construction work coming back into play?
0: Okay. Monona? Yeah,
1: that actually should be easier um, because they, we don't have to have bricklayers right next to each other. We we can really work out patterns of, of of rigging and 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 work. But we have to sit down and think about it, and you have to talk with the workers because they they're the people who know the job, and they're the people who know what 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 has to be done and in what order. And once we have that worked out, we should be able to continue to do some distancing, and, and wearing masks should not be a difficult thing for them at all because they, most of them should be uh, fit tested, trained, and certified for respiratory protection. Because in construction, there's always going to be silica and other problems from from dust. So uh, if if, the pro- if they're properly trained construction workers, if the job is is done carefully with meetings and discussions about protocol and how they're going to do it, construction should be able to start up fairly soon.
0: You're listening to Leonard Lopez at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM.
3: Will be left behind Stay away from me. Baby, keep your distance, please. Stay away from me. Words of love in time like these. I'm gonna be with you twenty-four hours a day. A lot of people couldn't stand that, but you can 24 hours a day. What a lucky man I am. Stay away from me. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. How
0: do you like that? A little bit of Stay Away, Randy Newman's self produced take on the pandemic, where he advises you not to touch your face and to stay away. As I'm sure you're aware, the coronavirus has upended almost every aspect of our normal lives, and that includes WBAI's fundraising model. We are in a dire situation in terms of simply being able to pay our small staff and pay the expenses that can keep this station on the air. And uh, just like to take a few moments to ask anyone who is fortunate enough to be in a stable financial position in these uncertain times to go to our website, WBAI.org, or Go to the phone and call 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602 to help keep the station on the air. Uh, Please be sure that you uh, make that contribution in the name of Leonard at Lodge. And uh, if you do, from all of us at the station, thank you so much. And we are back now with Monona Russell. We're talking about uh, what's going to happen when people... can start going back to work if they can start going back to work Um, and we have a number of people calling in uh, with questions and please try to keep the question germane to this conversation hi bai you're on the air
4: hey that must be me how you doing okay okay uh you know my condolences to anybody out there who lost anybody and my prayers for anybody fighting this uh this terrible thing uh you're gonna win it Humanity is bigger than this. You know, looking, looking at this right now, I hope this is a game changer in history. I hope the, when you look at history, sometimes when things like this happen, it changes things for the better. Uh, I remember my studies of climate change years
0: ago. They were talking about diseases. Uh, do you have now, a question? <laughs> excuse me. I did ask because I have so many things I have to address here. Can you ask a question that is germane to this conversation?
4: It's related to climate change.
0: Okay, uh, Minona, do you th- uh, many people are saying now that this is related to cl- related to climate change. Do you see that?
1: Well, in a sense it is and and um, it certainly is related to the other problems that are causing um, climate change our lifestyle and our crowding and uh, our pollution and all the other things yeah. it, it all ties together but I mean I've been through a lot of disasters. <laughs> Things are better for five minutes after the disaster, and then we go right back to business as usual. Where and and now that we've got, now that we are also rolling back every bloody environmental law. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but they're even going to certify asbestos for certain uses in the country wow. because no paying attention. There, there's a significant new use rule that is being the, the hearing the public hearing is is this month the, the the 27th and to the 30th nobody is even paying any attention because everybody's focused on trying to get through the next damn day so the and, and this is only the asbestos rule that they're going to roll back they're going to roll back a bunch and 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 it's if you really want to get interested in that you can contact me and i'll put you in touch with someone who's keeping track of all of them.
0: How uh, did they get in touch um, with you, Manona? Um, well,
1: the, the organization is, is Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, so the email is ACTSNYC at com. and take a deep breath, okay. because CS stands for CompuServe, <laughs> very first email program Long ever, so you know how gone. old I am. Um <laughs> Okay, so but if you do that, I will. I will just refer you to somebody out on, in the Seattle area who is trying to keep track of all of these rollbacks. But I mean, we're just going. We're we're taking a monstrous step back, and and and, and it, it would it will take years to undo what has happened in the last year, and especially what's going to happen within these next few weeks. So well, you're you're everybody's asleep at the switch because they're too busy with other things and this is really happening
0: so just basic things like how do people get to work is taking public transportation inherently risky because it's often difficult to maintain a distance of six feet should we be wearing homemade cloth masks in a crowded subway car will that will that prevent uh any infection
1: it won't protect you but it'll protect everybody else and if everybody else is protecting everybody else you're protected
0: so that it's best you, it's, if you can you should walk
1: yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> if you've got a choice <laughs> get your exercise um because i mean you have to you have to push the bar and go through the turnstile you have to you know hang on to something otherwise you're going to land on your keister which isn't healthy either uh, Wear gloves. So always touching things, and and always, you can't predict whether you're going to be close to someone or not. Uh, it, it's just it, public transportation is risky.
0: And so people are wearing gloves. Should they wash them every time they get off the train?
1: Well, actually, we do know that the virus does not go through your skin. If you're wearing gloves, you really aren't helping yourself that much wow. out in public because if you touch your glove to your face you got the same problem uh, you know, once once you've touched the once the outside of your gloves are contaminated now they're just a problem you know whereas using hand sanitizer and when you get into your workplace doing the good old-fashioned soap and water scrub will go a lot longer to protecting yeah. you probably than than than, than wearing gloves um, no. and, and soap and water actually is better than the hand sanitizer it's 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 the best protection you can get.
0: Can employers change work schedules so that their employees can take public transportation when there are fewer passengers, uh, and also w- when they have to enter the building, they won't all enter exactly uh, at nine o'clock in the morning?
1: You could stagger work workforces. There's there's a lot of things, and that's why I say when you all sit down and figure out how many people got to be where they have to be. You will be able to figure out ways to do this uh, to 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 not all arrive in a big herd. So those kinds of things will all help.
0: Well, a listener called in and mentioned uh, elevators. Can buildings have a traffic monitor to allow people uh, in uh, one or two at a time?
1: Well, the funny. Well, it's not. It's funny and yet it's not funny. A woman was on an elevator and somebody else wanted to get on, which would have violated her six-foot square, 12-foot area space, (laughs) so she pepper-sprayed the person who was trying to enter the elevator. I don't think that is exactly the way to do this, but um, you have to think about whether or not one or two people can go up in the elevator at a time or whether or not maybe there's stairs to take. Um, You know, I guess think it all through.
0: Now, the president and and Larry Kudlow, the, the White House economic advisor, have said that businesses shouldn't be liable for workers who contract the coronavirus while on the job.
1: Oh, they're not gonna... Get... Well, unfortunately, as soon as they became business owners and employers, they had accepted that responsibility. Um, there, I would refer you, there's a wonderful workers' compensation group in of, of lawyers in the city called Gray and Gray, um, I've known, I, I knew the man who's now retired from that group, and I've just known them for many, many years. And they will lay out the, the legal issues uh, a lot better than I would be able to. But once you're an employer, you're responsible for your workforce. If you bring them in knowing full well that there's a risk, um, sorry, but, you know, that's going to be probably on your workers' comp, uh, especially if they're health care workers or it will be on disability, but it'll be on something because uh, it certainly isn't the worker's fault.
0: Now, uh, I wanna get to some more calls, but I still wanna address the whole issue of masks. Uh, There are all sorts of different kinds of masks, uh, each one based on the type of job that they're made for. How interchangeable are they? Is the bottom line that wearing some kind of face covering is better than nothing?
1: Well, it, the, the surgical mask, as we've pointed out, you know, the, it really doesn't protect the wearer very much. Uh, it, it really is protection for the patient um, more than anything. That's why when we, we ran totally out of N95s, the advice from the CDCs was, well, then at least put a face shield over it so that, you know, you won't be getting droplets or anything on the mask. But ideally, you should be wearing at least an N95. Now, remember, the N95 was selected for hospitals before this kind of infection was the major reason for it. Uh, The N95 is the bottom of the line of filters. There's the N95, which means 5% of the particles that they test go through, uh, there's the N99, which means only 1% of the particles go through. And then there is the P100, which is 99.97% efficient or better. Obviously, a P100 would be a lot better way to go. Uh, so, so, I mean, there's all these different maps. Then you've
0: got to buy them.
1: And you've got to buy them. But, but the hospitals chose the bottom of the line to start with. Okay. Now the bottom of the line is still a pretty good mask and it should capture most of these parts, most of this stuff. And it should, it should be when it's properly fitted and the person is trained to wear it and knows how, how to put it on without screwing things up. Um, Yeah, that's, it's a pretty good solution. But we should have stockpiled them. We should have had them available. And that, of course, you can follow the the, the trail there. I mean, we just dropped a ball, and you know who dropped it. And um, it, it, we just didn't have a stockpile. And even those that were in the stockpile were expired, which meant the straps didn't fail and the masks were past their expiration date. I mean, it was, just, it was just a debacle. The whole thing, the first two months of this was just obscene.
0: And now we have all these videos about how to make homemade masks from bandanas, scarves, T-shirts, even coffee <laughs> filters, from uh, paper towels. Uh, how effective are these do-it-yourself masks?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, there's no for way people in help. offices,
0: are homemade masks okay?
1: Well, the, again, almost any cloth thing will protect the people around you. But, but let me just, if, if you're into making masks or making your own, here's what you have to have as an understanding. You do not want an excellent filter. Because if you have a really good filter that's going to capture most of the particles, you're going to have to have a mask that fits to the face so tightly that you force the air through the filter. And that could be your N95, your P100, or whatever. It's got to fit that tight. It's got to absolutely sealed to the face if you use a really good filter on a on a mask that is not fitted the air goes around the edges that air is a hundred percent unfiltered so what you want is a loosely a cloth that is loosely woven enough that you can breathe through it rather easily now, that may sound like just the opposite of what you should be doing, but at least it will stop the big stuff. It will keep anything you cough out from getting getting airborne, and so you're doing the right thing. How effective it is, you will never know because you can't possibly test every mask, and every mask is going to be different, and you'll see all kinds of phony stuff in some of these things. Oh, our masks will do this, you know, 70% or 90% bullshit. Uh, that you just don't know. It was one face, one test, one time. And and actually getting approval for a mask, if you went through all of the approval process, you would see how difficult that is to do for these very reasons. The balance between what air is filtered and what gets around the outside of the mask is, is crucial. So any kind of facial covering, just even the bandana, will do a pretty darn good job because the air's got to go through the bandana. If it goes around the edges of the bandana, you've gotten nowhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I want to take another call. Uh, My apologies if I've sounded a little harsh at times to callers. (laughs) Just try to to get as much stuff in here as possible. Please forgive me if I uh, haven't always been as... as, uh, warm and cuddly as i like to be okay let's take another bai caller hi you're on the air
4: hello i'd like to ask about that homie syllogism that we're all in the same boat and that the rich will die of the diseases from the poor that's probably true historically but i don't think it's true today especially with this current situation now i'm not a billionaire or a member of a trillionaire family But I don't think they're worried about catching the coronavirus, as I am now worried about it, because I do the same thing they've been doing for the last month to cure it completely in China, Singapore, South Korea, and Taiwan. And they're doing a version of it in Cuba using interferon instead of intravenous vitamin C, which vastly increases interferon. We know the rich... Once they reach sixty five, if you take out infant mortality, the rich live much, much longer than the average hoi polloi.
1: Well that's uh, absolutely true. Go ahead. And this is this 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 um this analogy is of course never perfect, but if you don't if you don't take care of the poor, their diseases are coming over where you are. They will affect you in some way um and and if nothing else our inability to work is going to take out some fortunes which maybe is a good thing i don't know but it, it is going to if, if you don't take care of the diseases of the poor there is going to be a downside for everybody in the culture
0: now everyone in new york state is supposed to be wearing a mask of some kind when they're out in public but um Many people are just ignoring that directive. Can employers require that their workers wear masks for an entire shift? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Just like if they have to wear a respirator, you can, you can even force them to shave, shave or ship out.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we need to train people uh, in safety pra- practices before yep. they return to work. They were
1: supposed to be trained already. That's, that's, what's, that's what's so interesting to me because you're, you're, the OSHA regulations, as soon as you become an employer, you are now required to do a risk assessment for your workers. If they're doing a particularly risky job or they've got any job that has a hazard, works with a chemical or is a, a fall hazard trip, and those hazards are supposed to be looked at and you're supposed to have a risk assessment. If but almost no employers are doing that. Those who do do that, this is a very easy job now to just expand their program to fit this. But you really need to realize you are responsible once you once you take this person into your employ, and they are making money for you, uh, you are responsible for them, and you you need to be fully aware of the risks that they are taking. And try to mitigate those whenever
0: possible. Some of those risks are hard to take uh, to control. For example, shared bathrooms in workplaces. Yeah. Should, should should an office have have them sanitized uh, on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, we have procedures for that as well. And and there that that's a really interesting problem also because we don't have a lot of data on how long the virus lives on various surfaces. Um, It looks like, well, the the, the procedure for trying to reuse N95s looked at how long the virus lives in the filter. And they sort of came up with the the plan that after five days, there certainly wouldn't be anything left alive because they didn't really find much alive after three days. So they would have a five-day rotation cycle for reusing N95s, but on hard surfaces, the the virus appears to be able to last longer. Uh, It looks like about nine days is about pretty much it. Maybe there's a few surfaces it might live longer on, but you you really need to go in and disinfect the workplace, and that means also cleaning. The the important thing to make sure that workers and employers understand is that disinfection is one thing and cleaning is another. Mm -hmm. Disinfection means you kill whatever is there. So some people were using fumigation and and sprays and things like that. Well, that will kill anything living, but it doesn't remove the schmutz. Uh, You can sort of think underwear. You could sterilize your underwear, but dead poop is still poop. So you want to definitely find a way to both clean and sanitize.
0: Now, we only have a few moments left, but uh, restaurants uh, are going to have to space people apart. The uh, movie theaters, concert halls, museums, et cetera, Broadway theaters, uh, they're going to go out of business, aren't they? They're going to have to come up with something because
1: uh, for them uh, we could we could test the, the performers we could we could make sure that that stage is safe while they're working and that all the crew members are... Te- we could do that in a fairly short while once we, we get the test up but what are we going to do about the audience and and that is a problem and the ventilation in theaters you know is not the greatest it's it's better than a lot of places but it isn't perfect so what what, what do, yeah. That is a problem. I, do, I don't know how we're going to solve that um, w- without some kind of way of switching theater into some kind of virtual experience. I mean, I really
0: I really despair for Broadway. I really do. Monona, another problem is that we've run out of time. But it's always a pleasure having you on our show. You <laughs> just such a wonderful well, sure. font of information. Uh, and well, let's uh, I look forward to having you back soon.
1: And well, just remember dead poop and live poop.
0: You know. <laughs> I'll remember that. that. That brings us to the end of today's show. And we have uh, special thanks to Barbara Kahn, who prepared this segment. If you're new to our program and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as an iTunes podcast. And don't forget to follow our show page on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website, large.com, where there are links to all of our past shows. If you'd like to send me your comments on any of our shows, you can email me at Leonard Lopate at WBAi.org. I'm continuing to broadcast from my home to protect myself and, and uh, our staff, but a big thanks to our engineer Reggie Johnson and the entire uh, WBAI staff that uh, keeps the station on the air despite this crisis. Uh, there are other problems like um, most nonprofit organizations, WBAI is in a very difficult economic spot because of the epidemic of uh, the pandemic. We are asking anyone who's able to support the station to go to our website, WBAI.org, or to call 516-620-3602 to make a contribution of any amount. But if you can see your way to becoming a sustaining member or what we call a BAI buddy, that would be a really big help. BAI buddies are members of the station who spread their support out over the course of the year through monthly contributions of 10, 20 amount Whatever amounts possible. We hope you'll join us tomorrow when Bob Henley will be here. Lawmakers say they are not happy with the.